All righty, guys, uh, we are back with another podcast episode of Muslim Professionals, the podcast. Assalamu alaikum. Um, today, we have two special guests, Yara and Norin, and they are the co-founders of Makani Homes. We're going to get pretty deep with this today because I'm very curious about what they're up to. It's a very cool concept. I'm going to have them explain it, but assalamu alaikum, you two. Um, I guess Yara... You're on my center screen first, so I'm going to make you do a little intro of who you are and know what you're up to. Sure, sure. Um, so, alaikum salam. Um, so, my name's Yara. I was, uh, I was previously Big Four Management Consultant at PwC, um, and prior to that, had a had experience in, in HR. I kind of used that to break into management consulting. Um, from there, you know, was in the rat race. Uh, was doing my projects and, you know, moving up through the ranks. I had my goals to uh, get to manager. I made it into manager in two years, um, you know, reached all of the, those achievements. And and I, I felt that I needed more. Um, and I really wanted to do something for myself. So I started sort of venturing out, uh, starting different businesses. I started my own consulting business, landed really large projects and cuts out in the Middle East. Um, and from there, you know, moved back to the U.S., uh, found my partner, Nureen. We both kind of chatted with each other, wanted to start something um, separately, independently. And uh, we found McKenzie Homes from there. Amazing. Assalamualaikum. I'm Nureen, and I also came from Big Four. So I had a background in accounting, and I went uh, ahead and I worked at KPMG right after college. I worked in the global mobility division, which is similar to international tax. So I was uh, looking at a lot of, you know, tax laws, uh, country treaties, things like that. And I've always loved traveling separately. Um, ever since college, I've been to 19 countries. And um, after KPMG, I, I ended up leaving and I decided that I wanted to also open up my own firm. So similar to Tiara, and that's kind of how we we related one time we met at a, a gathering and we were both talking about how I started my own tax firm. She started her own consulting firm. And from there, you know, our our partnership flourished. <laughs> that's awesome. So what what kind of got you into the whole like, I want to do my own thing? That's the first thing I really want to press on, because usually, um, you know, people will just say it and then there's people who actually do it. Right. And gets kind of scary. So what kind of got you into doing it in the first place? No, you need and to start. anyone could start. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh so for me, so 2020 was an interesting time, obviously COVID. Um and I, I think somewhat similar to everyone, I started reflecting on my life and thinking about my priorities in life. Mm -hmm. Um and and from there I felt like, you know, I had kind of hit all of the check marks that I wanted to accomplish at the time, which was, you know, working at a big four firm, the, mo the most prestigious thing you can do as an accounting major. I had made my parents happy, you know, all that. And then I was just, just kind of thinking about, you know, being stuck in this cycle of like busy season, working overtime, just all of that. And then I thought to myself, if I put that energy that I put in my corporate job towards my own self, I wonder what can come out of it. And I figured, okay, let me give myself, you know, this arbitrary year that I'm going to try to do this and figure out if I like it or not. And if I don't, I could always go back to accounting. You know, I'm a CPA. Alhamdulillah, I could always find a job. So that's kind of in my head how I um, 
rationalized doing my own thing. The YOLO year, as I call it. Kind of just do it. No. Um, all right, Yara, what about you? Sorry, you did, did I freeze again? Yeah. Um, let me see. Yeah, you did this gonna... one for a long time, so we were worried. <laughs> I'm going to disconnect so... from my Wi-Fi and other devices. So is it better? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I would right. say you're up. I, I probably had similar findings, similar journey. Um, when I was in consulting, and I'm sure maybe anyone who's listening to this who's in consulting and probably other fields can relate to it. Um, nothing you do is ever enough, you know? So you are always working on new projects. Every project requires you to upskill really, really quickly. Um, you're learning new industries. You're n learning new um, strategies, new tactics. Um, so unless you're very, very specialized in something, most of the time, every project is, is basically a new job. And something that's really amazing about that is that you learn so much and you learn how to just get by. But then what you've realized is that even partners and directors and, you know, all of these big names are just faking it until they make it, really. You know, everyone's just sort of figuring it out as they go along. And when you, when you really break that down um, to what, their, what the logistics of their job is and what their logistics of, you know, their responsibilities are, it's really something that anyone can and can kind of do. So I wanted to test that out. I was consistent. I consistently felt like, you know, I had really great leaders and mentors, um, but that I, I, I could be my own partner if I wanted to. You know, I, I understand the client. I have really good relations with them. Um, so let me try that out. And and I just sort of went for it. You know, I had met somebody who was working for a really large organization. They were looking to hire a firm. Um, so I just you know, made my own LLC real quick. And I'm like, you know what? I'm your firm. Um, hire me. <laughs> Let's see how we can make it work. And uh, I think jumping into the opportunity that you see without thinking twice is really kind of what gets people launched, right? Uh, the more that you're in your own head and, and Nurina and I talk about this all the time. As soon as we get in our own head, it takes us really long to act on any ch anything, any problem, any change, any opportunity. Um, whereas when we just go for it and, you know, see sort of like this slither of light and jump through um, something, something great comes out of it. It may not come out the way that we wanted it to, but, you know, it's a huge lesson most of the time. Yeah, for sure. So um, you mentioned something about an LLC and all that. So a common thing that I see, especially with some professionals, is like, where do I start? Like, what do I do? Do I start the business first? Do I set up the LLC? Do I find an accountant? Do I, you know, like all these thoughts kind of racing in like a business owner's head. It's kind of like, um, probably not the best example, but like, it's like starting a band and there, there'll be like that one dude in the band. That's like, let's think of the name. And then the other guy's like, no, let's think of like the, uh, t-shirt designs. Let's think of yeah. what we would play, but it's like, but like, what about the music guys? So like, I want to ask you, like, what was the first thing you kind of worked on, uh, as the first initial step, was it a whiteboard? Was it a vision? You know, like that, that's where I'm kind of, I get caught up and kind of starting a business. So, yeah. So, so funny enough, um, I think when Nurina and I started, we did fixate and did focus a lot on, you know, the name and the branding and, um, you know, all of these, I would say they're, they're sort of minor nuances to the ultimate establishment of a business, um, even like the LLC and whatnot, because ultimately 
you want to know if your business works, right? So I think finding your problem and what the solution is to your problem and understanding if that solution truly is going to do what it needs to do or what you hypothesize it needs to do it should be the focus. Um, we spent a pretty good amount of time um, focused on other things. I think that was very beneficial for us because we had never worked together. So in our mm. case, you know, having these smaller problems that we can sort of check off of our list is actually what established our really strong co-foundership, alhamdulillah. Um, so, you know, we had to get through disagreeing on on colors and names and, and you know, what kind of a business setup we want to have and, you know, our different problems that we want to target. So in, in the case of working with a co-founder, I think that's really essential. In the case of someone working on their own, um, I think it's important to just get things on paper and and get to the essential problem, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I would say to add to that, because I, I remember when I first started, I used to listen to so many podcasts that would say the same thing. And in my head, I'm like, how can I not even start with a name? How can I not start with a website? That just makes no sense. I have to do this. And if, if you're like me and if you're listening to this podcast, I will tell you why it's not as important because I went through it. It's because the idea changes. It's, it's literally as simple as that. The amount of times we've came up with names, we've came up with logos, we've came up with like um, even pitch decks, you know, it's, it, it changes until you find the problem that needs solving. So like Yoda said, that's the most important thing. And it's, it's really based on experience. Yeah. Like, a, a, yeah, a, like about a year and a half ago, McKenna was a credit card. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. So how did you? So, okay, so I, I want to jump into uh, McKenna, uh really, really quick, uh, right after this question. But like, when um when you guys were doing this so was it i guess was it costly like how much money did you essentially have to spend in terms of the r&d to kind of get to the point where you were like all right this is the idea that we want to get into or was it kind of like bootstrap you guys were scrappy how did you go about it go for it nodi yeah, so we were super scrappy with everything. So what we actually did is me and her sat down. We made a list of our strengths and a list of our weaknesses. And then we kind of combined our strengths and we're like, okay, you do this, this, this and that. And based on your experience, you do this, this, this and that. And we kind of just figured out ways to put everything together, whether it was like forming our, our corporation or... um like designing our logo or even building our website and we're both not technical uh it did take us a while to get there though but we definitely just kind of bootstrapped it all the way yeah also we in the beginning again if you had spoken to us like a year or so ago um and when we had finally nailed what we wanted to work on uh, our, our minds immediately went to let's develop right let's find a developer um we need to have in order for people to use this product we need to have it sort of fully fledged out because who's going to trust it, right? And then mm -hmm. um, over the course of time, what you constantly hear on Y Combinator and all these other, um, you know, bigger podcasts and platforms is, you know, test your MVP, get to market fast. And in our case, we're like, well, we either need to spend $15,000 to do that um, to get to market fast and four or five months of, you know, I mean, four or five weeks of development minimum, um, or we need to figure out a way to do that faster. And mm -hmm. Over time, we both realized that, you know, companies like, you know, Robert Half, which is like a staffing agency, 
and um, other similar companies work off of Excel sheets. You know, these are companies that till this day, while they still have other tools, they work off of Excel sheets. Um, and we can too. So we, we ended up actually really narrowing it down to like forms, Excel sheets, forms, Excel sheets, until we were able to establish our, establish, you know, a, a user base. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause like the end user won't know the difference uh, as long as you're kind of covering it up and making it pretty on the outside. So like, you know, they just need the service to be done. And that's kind of how Airbnb uh, essentially did it in the beginning too. So I do want to jump into this now. So what is Makani? You can feel free to share the screen. Um, wanna I want to learn about it because it's such a cool concept. Yeah, um, I I don't think. Uh, I mean, our website is www.makanihomes.com. Would you prefer for me to share the screen or? Yeah, why not? Uh, I'm gonna throw this on YouTube as well, so I guess people can watch it on there. Yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll kind of start while while you're pulling that up. Um, so the question to Habe was, what is it? What is Makani? Yeah, give me the pitch. Okay, so... What's it all about? Uh, Makani is a home swapping platform um, for the Muslim community, uh, founded by Muslims, for Muslims, of course. Um, we basically encourage people to switch homes in order to have access to travel the world uh, by, you know, accessing other properties across the world. So... Nodine, you could take it from there. I know you were you were going to start. Yeah. So essentially, the first question we always get is, "What is home sharing?" Um, <laughs> you know, it's essentially the idea of switching homes with people instead of you know paying for a short term rental. It's actual real people who come together and they're like, "Hey, do you live in Toronto? I'm going there as well. Let's switch with each other and let's kind of avoid having to pay this huge accommodation fee." because we can just coordinate together. So what McKenny does is we take this natural transaction and we make it safe and secure by ver verifying identities, verifying the homes, and also making sure they are Muslim-friendly homes as well. Amazing. So making sure that no one cooked bacon and they all take their shoes off before going inside. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Yes. Yeah, so that's like the biggest issue that I always have. Like we'll go to like an Airbnb and then it's like, you know, that's the worst thing. It's like they have all these pans and stuff. And it's like, dang, I want to cook. But I just feel like it's a little suspect. Did they wash the pans? Like, I don't know what they cooked with. And then I'm like, yeah. you know what? I'll just go out and just eat the same old, like, I don't know. Just eat a, get a shawarma or something or find some Pakistani food and on every trip. Sometimes I want to cook, though. So that's that's really cool. So how many users have you have you guys um, had signed up so far um, in the past year after the pivot you guys made? Sorry, did, did I it cut off? It did, yeah. Yeah, so, so we had yeah. a... Uh... Go ahead. Yeah. So we had a, our soft launch um, about a month and a half ago. Um, and our soft launch consisted of just, you know, uh, posting on social media, letting friends and family know people that we've been meeting along the way. We've kind of been letting them know what's what's been going on um, and, and asking, you know, seeing if they want to apply. Uh, just doing that, we've had about 20 user applicants um mm. and quite a few verified homes we have i think about i, I want to say like six homes in what is it noting like five countries now 
Yeah. And we also have over 100 people on our wait list, which is so exciting because the way we're doing it is we're launching in each city. So right now we're launched in New York City, but then we're going to expand to other cities. So we kind of have a wait list going on of, of people who are interested in the idea. And I think the cool part is that with, you know, any new innovation in the market, uh, usually the Muslim market isn't thought of as the first or like the early adopters. So what we're really excited about is like, you know, this is kind of like a new idea in the travel space. Um, and and we're just excited for the Muslim population to be the early adopters and to test this out for themselves and just get to be able to experience it. Amazing. And so so you guys are focused on a few cities. Um so when it comes to user acquisition, what do you guys, what's your like common strategy that um, you're, you're implementing right now to acquire these users um, to, to come on your website, sign up um, and stuff like that? Yeah, so it's a combination of social strategies. So uh, we have presence on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, and then also going to networking events, going out to meet people, we are very, very focused on having like, you know, a, a close touch point with our early customers. So we're trying to like go out in person a lot. Awesome. So when it comes to like the pricing model, right? So when when on the user side, um, are you charging like some sort of fee to list and or is there an opportunity for people to make money by listing their homes on? on the site. So if you can elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. So, so our fee structure for now is, um, $500 annually. Um, that gives you mm -hmm. access to the community and all the homes on the platform that also gives you access to our concierge service, which, which helps you find homes in any additional places that you want to travel to that we may not have current homes on. Um, so, uh, and, and basically with that, you can travel as many times as you want. So, uh, you mm -hmm. can use McCanny once, $500 saves you a lot of money, even if you're traveling once, um, or you can use it five times. And then at that point, you're basically paying $100 to travel each time. Um, we uh, also have... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. Um, so because we're also early in our launch, um, that's the main fee structure. What we're working with now mm -hmm. is... Um, you know, s smaller service charges that we use to be able to upkeep that concierge service um, you know, ensure that we can, uh, you know, keep the home safe. God forbid anything is to happen. Um, so there's going to be smaller fees that are going to be tacked on, um, that are, you know, basically cents compared to what people pay for travel. Um, but right now our early, basically early rates is just $500 annually, um, access to any homes that, that are on the platform and more. And to add on to that, um, it's not a listing fee, so you don't pay that just to list your platform. We only charge you if we successfully match you with the swap that you're interested in going to, and then you actually book the swap. Wow. Okay, cool. So, but can you actually swap with multiple different homes, I guess, for different periods of time? Because you did mention something around short-term rental. So let's say that fee is, is it $500 per, dollars per year? Mm -hmm. And then do you have... And Yari, you kind of alluded to like a, a swap, like you could do five swaps or something. Is that yep. the correct? It's yeah. kind of like a timeshare, a much more affordable timeshare. Yeah. So, so we, we often get that. And, and personally, I hate, uh, you know, 
using the word timeshare because timeshares are such a scam. Uh, and all yeah, are also are. Like, impossible to get out of. Like, no, with McKenna, you can leave whenever you want. You know, <laughs> so with uh, your money back guaranteed. You don't, you don't like working with us. You know, don't don't like the service. It's no problem. Um, so, but yes, similar to the concept concept of timeshare, right? Like you pay once and then you sort of have access. Except in our case, you actually have access. Um, so, yeah. So yeah. you can actually trip. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I was just out of timeshare. So okay, so I just uh, and hopefully this guy does not kill me for exposing him. Basically, we um, he was like, oh yeah, no, I got this villa booked for us. Blah blah blah. You know, let's go. He got like ten dudes to come. He's like, yeah, 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 it's going to be awesome. Like, this villa is amazing. We go to Florida, um, and we're at this, like, comp- like it felt like a complex almost. And dude was in meetings the whole morning, every single day. And for what, like, to, to like, make sure that, like, you know, one, he can get, like, free credits, make sure that, uh, you know, instead of he can get an upgrade from a two-bedroom to a three-bedroom. And I was like, Bro, this ruined the whole entire trip because we keep getting scammed into these sales calls, dude. And he yep. was like, no, 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 it's worth it. Trust me. I'm like, bro, like, I don't know what happened to you, man. I think they're really, they really got to your head. Like, uh, yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Why did they do that? What? I don't get the under, like, I don't understand the, con- like, why do they do sales like this? Yeah, I should know. On the topic of timeshare, we've been to, so uh, my husband and I, um, cause we're always trying to figure out new and fun ways to travel. Um, we think we, we, we take travel a lot more than just like going somewhere and like eating somewhere, you know? So we're, yeah. we're always kind of along for the journey. So one of the new journeys that we've been sort of, that we've played around with last year was like the whole, like free, um, the free trips that timeshares give you. Mm-hmm. Cause they're always like, you know, get five days in Orlando or like five days in like some random beach town that no one's ever heard of. You know? Yeah, but they get us every time. Every time we sit through like three hours, then we're like, we really don't want to buy this. But you know, just give us the free trip. Um, yeah. And we found out recently that the free trip, when it comes with flights, is like the worst flight ever. Right? You get like, yeah. it's it's basically like four layovers, um, so inconvenient times. It takes you like twenty four hours to get to Florida. So, <laughs> so I guess it's not. Is it worth it in your no, opinion? No, no, absolutely yeah. not. because i just had a i just had a kid with me he's an intern or whatever he was telling me yeah me and my dad do it all the time like um yeah we uh we just get free trips that's that's our vacation i was like yeah but like don't you hate the fact that your whole morning gets shot because you're in these sales calls and he's like yeah but you know i make my dad go do the whole thing i'm just hanging out (laughs) doing my own thing but when you're in a we're near a couple it's like kind of messed up right like, yeah, you yeah, just but... like drop one guy out. <laughs> exactly. I mean, especially with that guy is my husband, and he didn't want to go to begin yeah. with, you know. So, so what? What about you, Norin? What's your travel hack? For- my travel hack. So I've I've been recently getting into like award bookings and like booking flights with like awards. So, uh, for my honeymoon, actually last year, I was able to like go all the way to Thailand on a business class flight and I paid like $200 oh, wow. for it. So I, I, I love that. But then that kind of made me think about accommodation. And I was like, there's no true way to like hack accommodation like you can hack flights. Like there oh. are some ways, but it's not as good. And you also don't get like, 
you kind of have to like stay loyal to a certain hotel brand or which yep. which I'm not. I, I usually like to to go to wherever like it's a Hilton, it's a Marriott. I, I don't like to be specific, you know. Could be a Makani home. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Nice. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Nudge, nudge. Maybe, 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 maybe that's like the next like level of Makati Home. It's like Makati Home Plus, and then you do get that accommodation service. Who knows? But then maybe definitely you can into those three hour sales calls. I don't know. Yeah. No sales calls over here. He's put us on every podcast. You're only allowed on our platform if we're on your podcast. Um, so quick question about your, your team makeup. Is it only you two right now or is it, are there more people on the team? Yeah. It's just the two of us right now. Yeah. And we're playing with the idea. We have a few, um, we've been interviewing recently for, for a few interns as well. Awesome. Um, so are you guys currently bootstrapped or are like self-funded or do you guys have seed money that you took from? Yeah, interesting timing. So we are we we are still bootstrapped um, till this day, but we are hopefully looking to flourish out of that soon. Um, although those have been wonderful times, so we are we we're actually now looking for um, seed money. Um, mm-hmm. So we put together our pitch deck. Uh, we'll be reaching out to you know we're going to start with our potentially family friends round or you know community round as well. If there's anyone in the community that's, that's potentially is interested in supporting. Muslim businesses, um, we'd like to, you know, open up our rounds to these individuals first. Um, and then we'll sort of, you know, go from there and look for like larger, like bigger money. Um, awesome. and and right now, what's like the issue that you guys are having, like in terms of just um, growth, like what would the funding essentially be for? Because who knows, maybe there's a potential investor that listens to this. I don't know. Oh. So, so we are really looking to grow at like as quickly as we can. So we want to be able to, you know, use it for marketing, our customer acquisition, building our products. So now we're at the point where we do think developing is a good idea. We have the user base for it. Um, and, and just really being able to kind of go full force with McKenny and build this marketplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even our launches, like we're going to, we're planning, like Nuri mentioned, to do like the city by city launches. Um, so right now they're, they're sort of softer launches where we're, you know, meeting up with different Muslim groups and, you know, just hosting like meetups and whatnot. Um, but we are, this is like sort of in the works for like really large launches in different cities. And those launches, of course, are um, going to be very costly. We want to be able to uh, spoil our user base and you know welcome more users as well to to join us. So uh, that's probably that end product is probably the biggest uh, buckets that we're looking to put our money in. Have you guys heard of the concept like build in public? Are you guys implementing that as one of your marketing strategies, or are you unfamiliar with that concept? Uh, uh, are you referencing like b- building it based on what your community wants or no, like literally like you guys are on LinkedIn and Twitter and constantly talking about each and every update like this is what I did today and people just follow the journey because I will tell you this I do you know uh, a lot of the e-com industry and the AI industry has been doing that and it's got gained a lot of following a lot of potential entrepreneurs start following along liking retweeting all of the stuff uh so i wanted to see if is that something that you you guys were doing um 
it's a it's a it's a cheat code right now in terms of uh getting free marketing right now but that that's Organic. like your product so no like that's like if you're no um, i do it now for my software mm-hmm. i do it for our so- yeah i'm on linkedin all day every day just posting and then i join some pods of other people building in public and then we like each other's posts and then i end up getting like 20,000 to 40,000 impressions a week oh, oh wow that's, that's so. nice yeah, so it might be something that to look into because I'm trying to start a, like a Muslim professionals type of pod. We kind of have one already on the Slack channel. We'll just start liking each other's posts. You just like slap it in there. But, um, you know, I would consider because I'm on your profiles right now. And like um, y'all posted the last time was one week. Yeah, we're sleepy on LinkedIn specifically. Yeah, because yeah, you, you know, Zohey, what it is, there's just so much to do and it's the two of us. So it's like yeah. so hard to coordinate with everything. Like if you listen to our conversations, me and Yara, we have so many plans like for McKenny, but we can't do them all. So, but I mean, if you recommend it as a strategy to focus on, we'll definitely look into it. Sounds super interesting. Like literally, like I, so when when it comes to this content, I'm going to sound like Gary B real quick. So just I apologize. But I wasn't a believer of it either until I started working at Social Snowball. Uh, my partner, I guess he's the CEO. He's like, he's like, dude, trust me. Like, we don't run ads. Like, so before you join, like, I need you to start getting into the habit of just posting on LinkedIn or like Twitter. Just like choose one. So I started. I was like, all right, I'll spend the first 10 minutes of my day just thinking of some bullshit thing to post. It took me forever to think about that. But after one week of doing it, then I was like, oh, wait, this is easy because this is like you're just posting stuff that you think is obvious to you, but it's not obvious to anyone else. And people just start to start liking it after a week, like LinkedIn maybe boosts it or something. But then I just kept doing it. And now I have this habit of like 10 minutes of every morning. I just maybe I'll write a post of like, maybe it's just notes of like what my daily tasks were. And I'll throw, slap it into Chad GPT and I'll say, hey, write a post that's engaging and follows the build in public kind of um, LinkedIn post uh, mindset. But th- these are my tasks for today. And, and then you can ask Dolly to just like make an image and then you just post it. So just want to throw that out there. If you're not doing yep. it yet, I think that it might be worth trying because it's it is free, free marketing. And then yeah. slap that slap that link in Muslim professionals like boost me channel. And then like you'll get like uh, like five or 10 random people just liking it. Then over time, that will boost your posts up and presence on LinkedIn. Yeah, that's something so. to consider. I'm actually looking at Reddit now. It seems like this whole build in public thing started like two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of companies like are becoming. Now. Yeah, it is a it is the hot topic right now, and like that's why these build in public podcasts that are coming out. People are literally mm-hmm. podcasting their entire journey. So like, there's this company called Midday Square. Obviously, these are Muslim businesses. I feel like Muslims are missing out on this one concept. And I'm gonna ask you guys this too. Like, does it ever hold you back? This whole concept of like protecting yourself, like Nazar, you know, like evil eye, whatever it is, like. Do you feel like that holds you back um, just growing up and your parents telling you like, yo, like, don't talk about your successes and don't talk about your failures? Or is that something that's like not like totally irrelevant? I don't know. But it's just like Fox Sunny growing up, like my parents were always like, don't tell anyone anything. Don't don't post it on social media. Don't do this. 
And then I yeah. feel like even in my interviews, I don't tell companies like, yo, this is, you know, quiet. You got to stay humble. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, you're going to give me another. No, yeah. I, I actually completely get it because I, I grew up that way too. And I, I feel like one thing that, I, you know, as an entrepreneur, I need to constantly work on is the way you think. So it's like I've been constantly trying to like not think that way and be able to post on social media so I've like been posting a lot more on our TikTok account um I'm McKenny Holmes so but I, I think it's just like something you constantly have to be like aware of in the back of your head that some things you just don't do because of your past or the way you were raised you know yeah, yeah. I think I, I I actually have a pretty non-traditional viewpoint on Nazar um where I think, I think Nazad is very internal. Um, and I, I, I guess this is also like not a faith-based podcast, but like, I guess I'll, I'll sort of tiptoe on this lightly. Um, but I think really, we never really know where Nazad comes from, right? So um, something that used to make me very uncomfortable is like when someone would be like, oh, like my necklace broke. Oh, it's because that chick was looking at it the other day and complimented me on it and like didn't say mashallah. And, you know, I was always like, well, how do you really know? <laughs> like now how are you pinpointing where the nazar came from like just because you know someone looked at you that doesn't really make much vibe <laughs> exactly it's just vibes at that point um vibes are taking us in the wrong direction here you know yeah but, and uh, it's like is it my fault that the nick like she looked at it what if she just looked at it because she i don't know it's just like she just maybe she wasn't even looking at it she was looking yeah. at something else i don't even know yeah, also maybe it's not her, right? Like no one knows where it yeah. really no one knows where Nazar comes from. Um, and I think that as long as I, I sort of have always had the mindset of like, as long as I'm not trying to be like I, I'm approaching everything with the best intention that I can. Um, and I'm not approaching things, you know, with the intention of even like this business, right? Like we're approaching this with trying to bring things to the Muslim community, doing whatever we can for the community. If it works, great. It might not work. Um you know, who knows what laughing stock will be a part of, but it doesn't really matter because we're still, you know, pretty eager to build, pretty eager to learn and pretty eager to make mistakes too, you know? Um, but I sort of started to approach life that way too, where, you know, if I like, I can't keep gatekeeping things for my own self. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. yeah. That, you have to sort of get out there, right? Like you have to like test concepts with people and talk to people and learn from people as well. Yeah. And I always say it's like at, at any time I'm hesitant about doing something, like even if it's posting, right? I think about what's the worst that can happen? Really, what's the worst that can happen, right? Like if you think about it, just take the chance because the best case scenario is it may go viral, right? But worst case scenario, nobody's going to see it or someone's going to make fun of it. But honestly, you know, again, who cares, right? More often than not, most people don't even care enough to like make fun of you. Um, right. like, that's what I realized. Like, at, I think it was like maybe wh when I grew up in high school and, uh, you know, uh, it's like all those like uh, you have a really tight knit community you're growing up with. You go to preschool with them, elementary. That's when you get probably get made fun of the most. But like random bystanders, they're going to be like, ah, right, whatever, this is stupid. Like, I'll just skip. Like, then they have something else to like you know watch and call stupid and move on like you know they're, they're not really hung up on you so like it took me a while to get past that as well like i i feel like um and i was talking about this last night we had this meetup uh through you know muslim professionals or whatever like um and we were like 
it was a stark difference between the people who grew up in like brown communities, like people of color communities. And then like, I grew up in like full on white, like I wanted to be in a band, you know, like I was like, oh yeah, like look at all these kids. They're like doing drugs and stuff. I want to be cool like them. But I was like a fat chubby brown kid, like sounded like Aziz Ansari. And I was like, hey guys, like what's up? Um, And like trying to fit in. But like, you know, random kids would be like, hey, man, your nose, like, why is it so big? Or like, well, you know, blah, blah. and I was like always looking for ways to like it, it changed myself for, for them. Sorry, I know it cut off for a little bit, but basically changed from uh, changed myself for them. And um, I think it was like once I surrounded myself with people who also didn't give a shit about anything, it made life much easier for me because then I was like, oh, wait, like those are just like uncool people. They just yeah. didn't want to vibe with you. Um, yeah. You know. And I always think if I have something bad, like, you know, the Nuzzer thing, I want to go back to that. It's like, who knows? It could have been that auntie that you bumped into the back, like, during Juma. I don't know. Like. Yeah. You know. You, but, like, do I have to worry about this anymore? Like. You know, a know. story that changed my life was when someone told me, and I, I don't know how factual this is, but someone told me that um, there was a woman who was trying to have children and she couldn't have children. And, um, you know, she kept trying. It didn't work. And then uh, her mother was like very distraught and her mother was very involved in the process. And uh, eventually the, you know, she went to a shift and she's like, you know, what do I do? I, I really want to have children. Obviously time's running out. What's, what, what's going on? And somehow down the line, they found out that it was like her mother that was giving her nazar through like some sheikh who mentioned that. Now, my reservations are, how does anyone really know who's giving who nazar? But like the, I think the moral of that story is that you really genuinely don't know. And if you're going to operate your whole life under the idea of, you know, someone's going to give me nazar, so I just, I can't do this or I can't do that or I can't do the third thing. I think that really opposes the idea of jihad in Islam, which is strive and continue to strive and just wish for the best. So it, it's it's sort of opposing views there, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to ask one final question because I know we went over a lot. We went over how you got to your business, what kind of got you started, where you guys are currently at. So I wanted to ask, what is going to keep, what, what core concept right now is keeping you motivated to keep going? Because it is the early stages. You guys are still growing your user base and you probably have sleepless nights like, Hey, is this going to work? Is this even worth it? Should I just go back to PwC or Deloitte or wherever I was working? What? So that's, that's what's keeping you guys motivated? Keep going on. Sorry. My wife's talking Honestly, on FaceTime no and I keep texting her. I'm like, yo, turn your Wi-Fi off. So like this call doesn't freeze. But, uh, I don't think she hears it's me. It's okay. It's okay. All good. All good. Um, yeah, for me, that's Nudine. I love working with my partner, honestly. Um, she's she's awesome. We always I we always say this like, um, like Alhamdulillah, we've been built such a great partnership, and I hope that it you know it stays that way. And um, if it's not this, it's going to be something else. Um, we have so many different ideas. We have we have the ability to do to do anything, you know. Um, but what keeps us what keeps me also focused on Makani is the fact that, um, we like, we see the opportunity very, very clearly in terms of home swapping. Um, and we see the amount of companies that are opening up and that are, you know, trying to break into home swapping. Um, and bringing it to our community is, is really something that's 
that's amazing to us, you know, being on the forefront of it, allowing Muslims to see this first. I hope they see that, you know, the opportunity that comes with it as well. And then we don't end up just kind of like, you know, sidelining the idea until it becomes huge somewhere else. Um, but I, it could be really huge for us, you know, and, and we, know, we no longer have to compromise. Like we have a Muslim, a Muslim business that allows us to travel in the way that we want to travel comfortably, bring our families along comfortably. Um, so we, we just see the opportunity or I can speak for myself. I yeah. see the opportunity. And not have to sit into timeshare meetings. That's yes, the big one. Yes, and not have to sit in timeshare meetings. Yes, all brown and Arab families have been doing that for years now, right? Families yeah. are immigrants. Yeah, yeah and, and I would say for me, first of all, Yoda, I, I feel the same way. Um, and, and I think for just anyone who's listening and, you know, if, if you're thinking to yourself, how, to, how do I stay motivated? How do I kind of keep going? I think I, I would say constantly remind yourself why you're doing it and it, it's not a one thing you know because I, I think sometimes people you know lose sight of the fact that you're gonna have hard days like there were some days where it was it was hard and I had to keep reminding myself of why I'm doing this and I would say that for me I never fully belonged in corporate there was always something missing. And it has been so amazing working with Muslim professionals, founders, travelers, like just seeing our community and knowing that in five years, like the Muslim community is going to be somewhere else. Like we're going to have we're going to have services. We're going to have startups. We're going to have so many things tailored to our community. And I see that and I want to be a part of that. And I, I, I just don't want to miss on this opportunity to contribute to our community. Yeah, 100%. I'm seeing the same shift. I'm seeing more and more Muslims helping each other either um, promote businesses, be, use the business themselves. Like right outside my house, there's like four, you know, Yemeni coffee shops. And it's amazing because it's like nice. we're, we're going to Starbucks, you know, and they're going to the homegrown coffee shops, trying a whole new flavor and getting a taste of what the Middle East is about, what South Asia is about, what these other Eastern countries are about. Yeah. Um, it kind of destigmatizes the whole, you know, uh, stereotypes that Muslims have. Yeah. Um, which that that to me, that's why it's so important to have people like you guys starting businesses, uh, people you know, starting networking meetings and all that stuff, um, talking to each other. So very, very cool seeing what you guys are doing. I'm super excited to keep following along. I, I think, you know, inshallah, it's going to pop off for sure because it's, it's a concept that not a lot of people have. And I think, um, you know, once it's evangelized enough and, and Muslims start hopping on, uh, it'll pop off like big time. So yeah, inshallah. Uh, I, I want to use it myself, inshallah. So like, uh, let me know if you guys start servicing the Dallas area. I'll definitely sign up. Yeah, we'll be launching there eventually. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, really nice having you two. Um, where can people reach out to you if they want to connect? So the best way to connect to Makani is through our email, hello at makanihomes.com. And personally for me, my LinkedIn, Nurin Abu Bakr, you can find it as well. And it's very easy to message me there. Yep. Same goes for me on LinkedIn. Uh, Yara or Fali, um, Y-A-R-A. Uh, I'll probably be one of four on there, so it won't be so tough to find. Um, so you can connect with me personally there. Um, please visit makanihomes.com. 
uh, sign up with us. There's no obligation. You won't pay anything. You'll just follow our journey, follow us on socials, um, see what we're up to. We have some really cool homes. You'll get a little preview of um, the 10-person villa we have in Turkey and like all these other awesome places um, that we've been seeing. So uh, definitely take a look. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you, too, for being on the podcast. Um, and hope to hope to catch up in like a year and see where you guys are at. Um, yeah. Again. All right. Assalamualaikum. Well, I like Take care.